Hello and welcome back to the Millennial Ag Podcast, where agriculture is always on tap and no topic is off limits. Thanks for joining us this week, your co-hosts, Valine Cawhorn and Catherine Lotspeech. Listeners, this is Valine, and um, Catherine is in Wisconsin right now at a dairy conference, so she is unable to join us this week. Um, but I've got my other maid of honor and one of my best friends on to talk about um, corned beef, because it is uh, St. Patty's Day this week, which is mind-blowing to me that we're already all the way through almost the first quarter of the year. Uh, and so we're going to talk about um, what a lot of the United States eats on St. Patty's Day. But before we dive too far in, um, Natalie, thanks for joining us. And would you tell listeners just a little bit about yourself and um, Colorado Premium? Yeah. So I am Natalie Wine, and I work for a company called Colorado Premium out in Colorado. And we make a lot of the country's corned beef. And I am the research and development manager. So what that means is I know a lot about corned beef and I know a lot about recipes on how to make corned beef. And from about the Tuesday after Labor Day to Friday of St. Patrick's Day, most of my life is consumed by corned beef. Well, then you are the consuming person. and making corned beef. <laughs> Do you ever get sick <laughs> of corned beef? <laughs> yeah, I'll have it on Friday and probably not have it again until September. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> um, well, what what is a little bit of the history of corned beef? You know, what where did it originate from and why do we typically eat it for St. Patty's Day? Well, that's an interesting question, uh, because usually when we think about St. Patrick's Day, we think about leprechauns, green beer, and corned beef and cabbage. Um, But actually, corned beef is not really even Irish from originating in Ireland. So the heritage of corned beef is mixing of two stories of kind of German community and Irish community. And it kind of mixed together when German immigrants and Irish immigrants came to the United States during the European exodus. When immigrants were coming to the United States from Germany and Ireland, they wanted to keep some of their traditional food elements. So an Irish family ate a lot of vegetables, potatoes, and pork. So they ate hams and bacon. And then German, as we know, German culture has a lot of sausage, potatoes, and meat, which they focused a lot on beef. So when these two cultures kind of came over to the United States, that's kind of when corned beef was born. Um, And I say was born, because it was not the corned beef we know today. As the style we know today is sliced corned beef uh, with cabbage and potatoes and maybe some carrots kind of around it. So combining those two cultures, those came together, there was a guy named Elmer Gamble and he started a butcher shop in Detroit and he mostly focused on fresh meats and sausages. 
Well, he got uh, into business with his friend Fitzpatrick, and Fitzpatrick was Irish, and that introduced the corned beef. So Fitzpatrick would kind of suggested, hey, let's try something other than fresh beef and sausage. And Elmer was like, oh, yeah, sounds great. So that's kind of where corned beef started in the cultures. Um, but if we want to talk about like the corned process, that also has a long history is in the early days, corned or curing meats was um, much needed because uh, we didn't have refrigerators like we do today. And um, meat wasn't as available. So, you know, like now where we can go down to the local grocery store, um, you maybe would not be able to go to a market for months on end. So the early day process of curing or salting meats was simply that. You just rubbed salt on meats and it kept them relatively fresh. And um, then we kind of moved in the 18th century when the melting pot of all of the flavors and the cultures came to America, we were able to add seasonings and spices. And then um, today, like many industries, we have advanced in technology and in efficiency. Um, but while keeping our roots very uh, still the same. So we kind of go based off of the why create, why recreate the wheel. Um, so salt acts like a massive preservative. So we still use salt today. And um, customers still natural and it's kind of a natural preservative that's easy to come by too right salt is yep yep yeah so and we can use um sea salts and just like your regular table salt cool um and then another element of corned beef is um seasonings so kind of as corned beef has developed over the centuries um, we've kind of added many different seasonings. And then another thing is, no pun intended, but cherry red beef sells much better than green beef. <laughs> so we also have ingredients in this corning process or curing process that um, help that in the bright cherry red distinction that you see corned beef today. Yes, I would much rather eat red beef than green beef uh, most days. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Green beef. I mean, I eat a lot of beef, but I think I'll probably stay away from the green beef. <laughs> um, so what, you know, we've talked about corning, which is essentially curing. Um, so what's, what's the process for curing beef today, modern day, and what is it shelf stable? Like I see a lot of times corned beef in the refrigerator section, um, but, mm -hmm. you know, true cured beef historically has been, you know, I think of as like beef jerky or canned beef, you know, to that extent. So can you maybe address that element as well in the process? 
Yeah, so curing, like cured meats is a broad topic. So beef jerky is a branch of cured meats. Um, you know, those like spam, those canned Venus sausages, those are cured meats as well. Um, and then corned beef is a cured meat. Um, ham and bacon are also cured meats. The um, most of the distinctions from there are probably mostly the salt levels and then the elements that you use to cure um, or get that cherry red. So it's kind of like a 36,000 foot view. You see all of these cured meats and then each of those cured meats kind of have their own little path. And I can't really speak for the bacon or the pork industry, but in the corned beef industry, we use um, nitrites. And based on your level of nitrites is basically you stick within a certain level to keep your cure, which keeps your color, which then also keeps your freshness or shelf stable. And how long can a, how long can a corned beef last you know, fresh without needing to be frozen. So your shelf life on corned beef is going to be about 90 to 120 days. Now that is from date of production. Um, that is not necessarily day one isn't when you see it in the grocery store. Um, but all corned beef labels out there and I all food labels usually say use by or freeze by. And so that is you, that is calculated based on your day of production. And so just as a comparison for listeners, your, mm -hmm. your hamburger patty or a steak that's not cured, what's typically the shelf life on, on it? Um, usually about 35 days. Okay. So you get almost three or four times the length by, by curing the meat compared to eating it. Yep. Not necessarily fresh, but uncured. Yep. And you know, that three, about that shelf life of three times is basically what was discovered um, back in the 16th century is when that's why they were just rubbing meats down with salt is because they were finding that they were getting three or four times long, you know, longer between meat going bad, longer shelf life. And especially through the Great Depression and those eras when food was not as abundant as it is now or easily to easily accessible, you know, we can just run to the grocery store and buy a corned beef or buy, buy a hamburger or a steak and, and, be fairly confident that we're going to find one in the shelf either today or tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, um, that's kind of where, you know, they're, that's where it originated. And then we've just modernized. Um, we've just kind of modernized the process. So um, corned beef started as it's a brisket cut, which I think a lot of people recognize brisket on 
barbecue restaurants menu and or could probably pick it out if they see like a brisket in the store. It's a very noticeable um, cut of meat. So in kind of the early days of corned beef processing and this at this point in my story, the early days is like 1980s. Um, we did a lot of old style brining. And so that was, you basically take your brisket and you put it in a bucket of water with water, salt, spices, and your um, sodium nitrates. And you just let it sit there. You can let it sit there for 24 hours, or you can let it sit there for like up to a week. And that brine that the brisket is sitting in is going to make its way into the meat. I think the science, because I'm a nerd, I think it goes about an inch every 24 hours. The, into the, the meat. curing goes into the meat an inch every. So if you have a two inch thick piece of meat, it should be about 24 hours because you're getting infiltration from, from both sides of the meat if it's thoroughly covered. Yep. Yep. So, but as more people enjoy corned beef and as um, the demand for corned beef has increased and um, grocery stores and corned beef being sold everywhere, we needed to find a faster way to marinate corned beef. So for what we do is we inject the meat. So, and I know a lot of people do like at home injections, um, especially when they're, uh, cooking in the oven, like turkeys or prime ribs or smoking briskets or pork butts. So, um, we just have a large scale injector. <laughs> and so we mix our corned beef brine, um, at about 350 gallons at a time. And then we inject on a large scale, um, injector, and then we package, we cut down that piece of brisket into about a three pound package, and then we, um, ship it out to the stores. And let's see, we, I think one day last week, we had about 58 trucks or something like that. And how many um, pounds are on one truck about? How many what? Pounds are on one truck. A truck is about 40,000 pounds. So that's a lot of, that's a lot of corned beef going out the door. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, we definitely pump a lot of corned beef through our facility for St. Patrick's day. And so as your main customer, um, the grocery stores, restaurants, direct to consumer, who, who do you typically sell the majority of your corned beef product to? Um, our corned beef products are going mainly to grocery stores. So I couldn't tell you if our corned beef is going into your grocery store down the street, but I could tell you we have corned beef in Kroger's, Safeway Albertsons, um, Raley's, uh, O'Donnell's, uh, Myers. We have them kind of 
most of your grocery stores, you probably have corned beef. Yeah, and I, I know when I was able to, when I was living in Colorado and was able to get directly from, from Natalie herself, it was, um, <laughs> I think I have a Kroger label one cooking, cooking as we speak. So it's really cool to see, see something that was processed and produced in your backyard almost, you know, be, be sent nationwide and see, see that process and the specialty too, because, you know, I, when I think of a butcher shop, which you guys are like the middleman, right? Like you, you don't process the animal, but you take primals and stuff and can break them down. Um, but seeing the specialty and niche market a little bit in that, in that realm and how, how much time and effort you spend specifically on corned beef is just amazing to me and how much of a market there is, is for that, that one cut of beef and for it being, being cured. It's, it's pretty incredible, really. Yeah. Um, you know, two, two thoughts on that one. If you had told 15 year old Natalie that, um, I would be paying my bills by, uh, learning a lot about corned beef and, uh, dealing with everything that entails corn, uh, corned beef wise, um, I would have laughed at you. Um, I knew nothing about corned beef when I was 15. I actually didn't try corned beef until I started working here. Um, and now I have it about every day. (laughs) (laughs) And then also, uh, yeah, it talking about kind of finding it in your backyard. I, um, still I've been here for almost six years. And I still, every time I walk into the grocery store around St. Patrick's day, I, I, I'm like a little kid in the candy shop. I'm like, Oh my gosh, look, look, it's, it's our corned beef. Um, and you know, I'm famous for posting that picture on St. Patrick's day, um, wearing green. I usually dress up my dog in green and, um, you know, I encourage everybody go eat corned beef and, um, I think just this week I've had four or five calls from family members. Hey, how do you cook corned beef? What should I do? Um, so I wouldn't call myself an expert, but I might be pretty close. So you have to, now that you brought that up, you have to answer for listeners. How, how do you cook your corned beef? And then what are easy options too for the working, working families? Yeah. Um, yes. With corn, uh, with St. Patrick's day being on, um, Friday this year. I know it will be a little bit difficult for those working families. Um, so first off with that, um, if you can't eat corned beef on Friday, don't worry. There's still Saturday, Sunday, and there's still all year. Um, so you can, you can eat it all weekend. And then, um, my favorite method of eating, uh, cooking corned beef is actually in the oven. So you're going to take a baking dish and I like to use the disposable ones because it's very easy to clean up and you're going to put your corned beef uh, straight from the package. You're going to put your corned beef fat side up. And then most corned beefs come with a little seasoning packet and you're going to take that seasoning packet and you're going to sprinkle it on kind of like you would sprinkle on sprinkles on a cookie. And then you're going to fill that baking dish about halfway up on the corned beef with water. 
You're going to cover it with foil. And you're going to set your oven at 400 degrees and put your corned beef in there for about three and a half, four hours. The longer, the more tender your corned beef is going to be. But your, your shortest cook cycle could be about an hour per pound. Okay. So if you're getting a three pound package, um, from, from your grocery store, like you guys, your average package, then yeah, three to four hours, um, in the oven. Yep. So that would be, um, and most packages have a baking recipe. Usually the first one is, um, now is kind of an Instapot or a crock pot. And then right under that would be your baking or oven. And um, they might have a little bit different temperatures than I do just because I'm at altitude, but that is what I like in my preferences. And then with that being said, for families that um, are working, the Instapot is a great way. Um, you can put your corned beef in the Instapot pressure cooker and um, it will be about 90 minutes. On that, I would maybe simply just Google Instapot corned beef and you'll find a whole bunch of recipes. And then um, also, if you want to, you can always throw corned beef into a slow cooker or a crock pot. Um, and that can kind of just cook all day. And as well, I'd probably just Google slow cooker corned beef. Perfect. Well, that's what I threw in this when we're recording. This is not uh, St. Patty's Day because I, I'm hoping that we get to go listen to music um, St. Patty's Day night and we won't be we won't be home. But I threw one in this morning. So we'll I'll keep you posted on how the crock pot method goes. I've done it in the past and it I would say it's not as pretty coming out, um, but it usually has great, great flavor. And I usually throw in like cabbage into the crock pot and then I'll cook potatoes on the side. Cause I don't like to, my preference is I don't like to put potatoes in the crock pot all day. Like if I can put them in halfway, um, mm -hmm. but I won't be home today. So I'm leaving the potatoes out cause it ends up potato soupy, but <laughs> I might get to them. <laughs> I mean, that's just kind of surprising to me that you're picky about your potatoes coming from Idaho. I do have some Irish <laughs> blood in me too. So <laughs> that, that probably explains a lot about it. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, the, like you said, the crock pot recipe is probably going to be, um, it's not going to be as pretty, but it's still going to taste the same. And then the addition of cabbage and potatoes and sometimes carrots um, definitely enhances the soup slash dish yeah no and it's yeah and it's it's delicious too I think you know the the cabbage and the potatoes you know it's just something I think as Americans um we don't eat as often as we eat meat and potatoes specifically so it's fun to add some of those those different cooked veggies into into a meal mm -hmm. as well um yeah if you, go ahead if if you want an alternative to um, meat and potatoes and vegetables, kind of your corned beef being your center of plate, you can always do like a classic Reuben sandwich. 
So you can um, do rye bread with Swiss cheese and um, then your sliced corned beef. And then if you put it kind of, you basically make it like a grilled cheese. So um, your corned beef would already be cooked and you just put it on a griddle for, I, I would say like 90 seconds on each side, but that's my personal preference. And then if you just put a little bit of spicy mustard or a thousand island dressing on that, then you have a sandwich. And that's kind of just a little different method than center of plate or meat in the middle. Yeah, no, and I, my mouth is watering because I love a good, a good Reuben sandwich. One thing you taught me is um, the pastrami is from corned beef. And so can you explain to listeners what pastrami is? And that's, because that's been kind of a fun, and I don't know if we truly make pastrami, but I know mom and I absolutely love, love the peppered corned beef and the slow, slow smoking it. So would you explain to listeners what pastrami is too? I will. And also I do agree with you. I, um, definitely love a good pastrami sandwich. Um, and I know, I think your mom might've made some back in over the holidays. Cause she sent me a message about how good it was. Um, and I definitely am going to use her recipe. So pastrami is basically peppered smoked corned beef. Um, so you pepper corned beef and you put it in the smoker is the simplest way to explain that. So you're going to have your same elements of a corned beef. It's going to be kind of that cherry red color. It's going to have that salt flavor and it's going to have those spices. Now what you're adding is that pepper on the crust on top. When you put that into a smoker, not only is your um, backyard going to smell great, and for me, the smoke from my smoker always just goes to my hair, so then my hair smells like smoke for a while, Um, but you're also going to have kind of like a crust of pepper on that corned beef or pastrami at that point when it comes out of the smoker, and then you're going to slice that real thin, and you can basically put it on a Reuben sandwich, but then it would be considered a hot pastrami sandwich. Not technically a Reuben because Reuben's corned beef. Correct. Yep. Yeah. No, that's a good distinguish too, because I always, I always want to call when the pastrami sandwich a, a Reuben too, because I'll throw sour, a little sauerkraut and Thousand Island and um, Swiss cheese on there too. And it's, it's just delicious. <laughs> You're a sauerkraut eater. I am a sauerkraut eater. <laughs> Are you a um, sauerkraut eater? Uh, you know, I am actually not. It's it's one of those that sauerkraut tastes the way it smells to me. And um, I don't actually know the answer to this, but do you know what sauerkraut is? Is isn't it uh, pickled cabbage? That's what I think is it is as well. I'll have to look up the actual answer. I thought this might be a trick question, but I'm like, I'm pretty no, sure it's like cabbage. <laughs> you know so much about core beef. And I wanted to see if you do that too. 
I, I'm going to have to Google that and double check. I am right though, because I'm, I'm pretty, pretty sure I'm, I'm pretty right. Sure you're right. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure you're right. I have some uh, sauerkraut in my kitchen over here. So I'll, I'll go take a look at it, but I'm pretty sure it's pickled cabbage. Yeah. Well, listeners, we will update you once we uh, find the full answer <laughs> to that. Um, you can add that to the podcast notes. Yep. That's what they're good for. So, well, Natalie, thank you so much for joining us um, and talking about corned beef and St. Patty's Day. Is there, you know, give, give Colorado Premium a plug. And then is there any parting words, words of wisdom that you want to leave listeners or some fun thoughts about St. Patty's Day? Yeah, um, definitely go find a Colorado premium corned beef at Kroger or Safeway Albertsons. And um, then also just kind of know because your corned beef is marinated slash cured with salt. Um, it will be saltier than most products you have to so make sure you kind of mix it with the methods we talked about, a sandwich or potatoes or cabbage. Um, and then, yeah, go enjoy your green beer on St. Patty's Day. Very good. What do you, how do you make your green beer? What's the base of your green beer if you're making it at home? Oh, that's, that's, that's past the way I know how to do it. The way I know how to make green beer is I um, drive down to Fort Collins, Old Town, and I walk into the first local bar and I say, I would like some green beer. Very good. So Natalie's a social, <laughs> social animal, if you can't tell. Um, but thank you so much again, Natalie, for joining us. Um, and we thank you listeners for tuning in to this week's episode of the Millennial Ag Podcast. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or you can email us at talktous at millennialag.com. Until next week, we are Millennial Ag. Millennial Ag.